Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business. Welcome to Blunt Business Radio. I am your host, Bethany Niebauer. Today, we have Adam Greenblatt with us. He is a corporate spokesperson for Canopy Growth Corporation, which is the oldest federally regulated, publicly traded cannabis producer in North America. They're currently located in Canada, uh, but they also have eight grow sites in seven different countries. Their net revenue for 2017 was just over $30 million. Adam, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Can you uh, give us some information about your background and your position before we get into Canopy? Absolutely. So I actually recently transplanted myself to British Columbia from Quebec. I used to be a language spokesperson for Canopy Growth as well as the Quebec brand manager. Uh, I've been working in cannabis for about 15 years now. I started out as, a, as an activist sort of fighting for the legalization of cannabis and for safe access to cannabis as a medicine. And that brought me to work in um, a few dispensaries uh, for, for eight years. I ran, I ran cannabis dispensaries, storefront dispensaries in, in Montreal. And, um, and before I joined Canopy, I was also the co-founder and director of a, of a clinic called Sante Cannabis. Which is a uh, which is a clinic with a team of physicians that specializes in evaluating people for the use of medical cannabis, and which is now turning itself into a clinical research organization to help build the evidence base uh, around the use of cannabis as a medicine, with the goal of 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 getting it uh, regulated and approved as a as an actual medical product that can be covered like any other. And uh, yeah, so a couple of years ago, I made the leap to Canopy Growth. I uh, took on a position to lead their Quebec strategy, and uh, and now I'm leading business development for the province of British Columbia, which uh, you know is is home to the legendary BC Bud, and we've got two uh, very large greenhouse installations in British Columbia that total three million square feet of production, and uh, yeah, it's quite uh, it's quite the massive cannabis production platform we've got going. That that's for sure. So you actually started as an activist. Yeah, yeah. I still consider myself one. There's still a lot of uh, activism and and uh, and things to fight for, even even now that cannabis is is on the verge of being legal. But yeah, I got I sort of cut my teeth uh, as a as an activist. Uh, running, you know, I first ran for for the Marijuana Party, which is a political party that we formed many many years ago to fight for the legalization of cannabis. And yeah, now I now I've gone corporate. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I know that there there are a lot of marijuana activists, and there are certainly a lot of marijuana uh, business people. Um, I don't see that blending as much as I would personally like to. So I, I think it's great that that you are able to sort of uh, straddle those two worlds. Um, yeah. Can you oh, can you tell me uh, a little bit about uh, your day to day at Canopy? Well, right now uh, we're leading. I'm leading business development for Canopy Growth in British Columbia, and so our focus right now is on establishing relationships with private dispensaries. Uh, British Columbia is one of the few provinces in Canada that's going to implement a mixed model. So we're going to be so basically the the provincial government will control the wholesale and distribution of cannabis, 
but they're allowing for government and privately owned stores. And so right now, the focus is on establishing uh, relationships with the current private retailers, because there are, in fact, a number of dispensaries already operating, much like you saw in Colorado pre-legalization, uh, and they're getting ready to, to become licensed and to, uh, and to start operating in a, in a more compliant and regula- regulated fashion. So my, my day-to-day now is networking with these folks and, and just establishing relationships and building bridges. Uh, you know, for everyone's mutual benefit, because Tweed product will be certain will certainly be on the shelves of of dispensaries across Canada after right. October seventeenth so, when it's legal. Right. Yeah. So, so you just brought up Tweed, which uh, many of our viewers may not know. That was uh, Canopy Growths. That was the original company before they rebranded themselves. Uh, so not exactly. So Tweed is still our core product brand. Tweed Tweed is our is our core product line. Uh, the company did start out as Tweed, but uh, after a few different acquisitions, uh, we we realized that we needed to form a parent company to manage all of these different brands and companies we were acquiring, and that's where Canopy Growth was born. So Tweed still exists as uh, as our product brand, and we grow many different uh, strains of dried cannabis. Uh, we produce different cannabis oils, and we produce different uh, cannabis soft gels under the Tweed brand. Uh, but it's not the it's not the <clears throat> It's not the only brand in the uh, in the portfolio, so we're also partnered with uh, with DNA Genetics out of California. We've got a, a brand licensing agreement with uh, with Snoop Dogg. We grow. We have the exclusive rights to lease by Snoop in Canada, um, and we have our medical line called Spectrum Cannabis, which is not only our our medical facing brand but also our international brand. So it's a quite a big portfolio. It, it is. Okay. And since uh, that, that makes a nice segue, can you talk uh, a little bit about what countries you're operating in? Yes. And uh, pardon me if I don't remember all of them <laughs> because we're, we're, we're growing so rapidly, but we have production in Jamaica. Uh, we're building a greenhouse in Denmark. We've got production in Spain through a partnership with a company called Alcalibur. Uh, we distribute uh, medical cannabis under prescription in Germany. Um, and uh, we also have uh, operations in Australia through a partnership with a company called Oscan, as well as Spectrum Cannabis Australia. Uh, and we recently just announced um, an entire Latin American division. Uh, we're active in Colombia, Chile, and Brazil. And um, oh, and most recently, we also acquired a company in Lesotho, South Africa, which was uh, which got us. Yeah, which I believe it was our ninth ninth country, eighth country. It's hard to keep wow. track, to be honest. <laughs> but in a nutshell, that's that's kind of where we are. On top of all of the production capacity that we've got going on in across Canada, uh, you know, we've got we've got production sites scattered a little bit across um, this whole great nation of ours, and almost in every province. We've got, like I said, the big greenhouses in, in BC. We've got one in Saskatchewan. We've got several production sites in Ontario, and we're process of converting the largest uh, producer and distributor of pink tomatoes in North America uh, into the uh, largest uh, producer of cannabis in the province of Quebec, which is our French-speaking province. So, yeah, never a dull day. <laughs> right. Um, so that's interesting. You're converting a, a facility that grew pink tomatoes into a facility that, that can grow cannabis? Correct. Yes. So uh, through a joint venture with um, with the uh, 
This is a this is a family that's been producing tomatoes in Quebec for 27 years. They have a wealth of, of experience, not only in greenhouse production, but also in organic production. They have an organic certification on some of their tomato crop. And uh, we're currently in the process of converting their main production facility into uh, a, a massive cannabis uh, production facility. So that uh, involved an investment of $15 million. Um, it's structured as a joint venture. And uh, the facility is already partially licensed for cultivation, which means we can start growing plants. Uh, and then once we grow a few crops and they meet the government's uh, specifications and and, uh, and quality standards, then we can obtain a sales license begin distributing uh, the cannabis we grow there, not only for medical purposes, but also to the, the provinces and their recreational systems. Okay. And then, uh, I would, and then I would also throw in that we just recently, last week, <laughs> acquired um, acquired through a merger uh, a company called Haiku Brands. Haiku Brands is a portfolio of different uh, cannabis lifestyle brands, including Tokyo Smoke, My Tree Leaf, uh, Doja Cannabis. You may be familiar with the Dosist vaporizer pen. That was also included in the uh, in that acquisition. So, yeah, we're really, really just doing everything we can to be as as prepared as possible for when when cannabis cannabis on October seventeenth. Right, and that's something I wanted to talk to you about. Can you give any details about what you're doing specifically to prepare uh, for for that date? Yeah. So, um, primarily we're executing on all of this expansion. So we're just getting all of this, uh, you know, we've, we've done a number of, of deals like this joint venture I mentioned. We're really just ramping up all of the production and getting these sites online so that we can uh, start supplying and, and executing on the supply agreements that we've signed with different provinces. Um, and so, yeah, it really just primarily, it means getting ready to grow a lot of cannabis. Um, and we are already producing quite a bit through our greenhouse in Niagara and our our different production facilities. It also means uh, getting ready for retail. So in some provinces like uh, Newfoundland, we're gonna be allowed to open and run our own retail stores. Um, it's a little bit different than what you may see in the States. In Canada, you've got, you've, we've, got, we've kind of got our own patchwork of different regulatory systems across different provinces. But in some of these provinces, we will be able to run our own retail centers. And so part of this preparation involves getting ready for, uh, getting these, these shops ready, hiring staff, uh, and getting them trained and getting them kind of <coughs> getting them all launched. So okay. lots of hiring. We're looking at double, uh, doubling or tripling. Sorry, I just got to take a sip of water. Sorry. Right. So we're looking at doubling or tripling our, our workforce this year, uh, just in preparation for, for recreational legalization. And we already we already employ about a thousand people. Wow. So yeah, fast growth. Rapid, rapid growth. <laughs> okay. We need to take a break, uh, but when we come back, we're be we're going to be talking uh, about uh, international regulations with Adam Greenblatt. We'll stay with us and we'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, 
shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Are you ready to be inspired and educated by the best of the best in the cannabis industry while enjoying sunny South Florida? Then you cannot miss out on the first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 24th to the 26th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. The USCC Expo welcomes all cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners to join us for this brand new event sponsored by the radio podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Be one of the first to register today at USCCExpo.com. That's USCCExpo.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. I am Bethany Niebauer, and I'm here with Adam Greenblatt of Canopy Growth. We've been talking about Canopy's uh, rapid expansion and their preparation for uh, Canada's legalization in November. Uh, Adam, I'm curious because you're operating in so many different countries, and each of these countries has different regulations or requirements that they impose on cannabis growers. Can you go into any specifics about that? I can't say that this is really my my specific wheelhouse. I can I can say generally that the regulations uh, definitely differ uh, from one jurisdiction to the next, not only uh, domestically within Canada but internationally as well. Australia has a different set of regulations in Germany than does uh, Denmark than does Latin America, uh, and so the <clears throat> so the specifics uh, differ quite a bit, um, not only from the the commercial regulatory side but also in terms of how patients actually end up accessing medical cannabis in these jurisdictions. Uh, for example, in, in Germany, uh, a prescription is required for each different type of cannabis you wish to try, so it makes it a little bit complicated for patients if they want to try um, a couple of different products. You know, if the, if the physician prescribes one type of cannabis that doesn't do the job, the patient has to go back and, uh, and obtain another prescription to try a different type. So. On the on the consumer level, it can be it can be complicated and different, and in that sense, in Canada, it works a little bit differently. Um, but on the production sense, we can, uh, on the production side, we also see different um, uh, different types of regulation. So in Denmark, for example, we've been issued a master license. Um, you know, we were issued a sort of an unconditional license from the the Danish government that allows us to build this greenhouse and start producing and distributing cannabis as soon as we can. Uh, you can contrast that to what we go through in Canada, where uh, Health Canada has to come. Health Canada's our—they're uh, like our FDA. So they come in and they they inspect our facilities. They make sure that our crops are meeting are meeting the 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 spec, 
And then only once we can prove that we can grow product that meets spec, will they grant us a license to, to sell and distribute. So it, it certainly differs from one country to the next, um, but we have a we have an outstanding regulatory and international business business development team that is on top of all of those all of those nuances. Interesting. Um, so tell me a little bit more about some of the challenges of operating internationally, because as I'm sure you know, most cannabis companies operate just in a specific city or a, or a specific county, uh, and I would be unprepared to operate in a whole nother country. Uh, so how, how does Canopy manage that? Well, I think it comes down to the expertise that we've developed doing it in Canada. Canada has the most rigorous set of regulations governing the commercial production of cannabis. We've learned so much in the last few years just operating under that regime, and we've been able to export that that knowledge and that know-how into these other jurisdictions that we're operating in. So, you know, if we need to build a, a GMP-certified facility in Denmark or in or in another jurisdiction, well, we can. We've already built a roadmap to do that in Canada. So, I would say, I would say, in short, uh, it's all about. Um, packaging up and exporting the expertise that we've developed in the Canadian context into all of these other markets, and then essentially just tailoring them to the, the nuances of each jurisdiction. But we're incredibly fortunate to be operating in Canada where cannabis, for medical purposes, is federally legal and will soon be federally legal at the recreational level as well. But uh, I'd say in a nutshell, just it's about us packing up our knowledge and, and exporting it to all these other jurisdictions where we're operating. Right. So GMP is uh, good management practices. Can you go into any detail about uh, maybe some practices that Canopy uh, requires that you feel other companies don't? Um, well, other companies in Canada uh, are subject to the same regulations as us, but I was talking about good manufacturing practices. So good production practices govern everything that we do up until the plant is harvested. So all of the agricultural methods, everything we do to grow the plant and grow the buds, and get them uh, harvested follows uh, what are called good production practices. But everything following the harvest is governed by good um, manufacturing practices. And this is like a pharmaceutical standardization uh, certification. So every once we once we dry out the cannabis, uh, whether we're uh, selling it, whether we're just drying it out and, and selling it as dried flour for vaporization, or if we're going to extract that and make and make oils and derivatives, you know, we we have a whole line of soft sale capsules. All of these derivative post-harvest products are produced under uh, good uh, manufacturing practices, and this is a pharmaceutical certification that actually allows us to. I mean, the German government has actually certified our facility as GMP compliant, which is actually what allows us to export our medical cannabis products into their country. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you actually export from Canada into Germany? Correct. So right now we, um, to, and the and we have a number of different medical cannabis products that are available in German pharmacies. Um, but we are now, you know, we're trying to move away from the export model, uh, where many of our competitors are only now catching up to their ability to export cannabis we're a step ahead and that we are establishing production in those jurisdictions so that we don't have to export Canadian product into those markets. And that's why, for example, we have a partnership with Alcalibre in Spain. It's like a million, a one million square foot greenhouse in Denmark, all in the, in 
the goal of supplying the European market from Europe and to sort of domesticate the, this production and this supply restriction. So Adam, I understand that Canopy is a publicly traded cannabis company. And while there are some uh, publicly traded cannabis companies in Canada, there aren't very many in the US. Uh, and I'm wondering if there are any specific challenges relating to that. Well, it depends on which stock exchange you're on actually. So we were the first to be on the Toronto uh, to the, on the Toronto Stock Exchange. And one of the elements there is that we operate in compliance with all federal laws. And that's one of the reasons why you don't see us doing anything in the United States right now uh, is because we have to be, um, you know, we have to follow uh, federal law in any jurisdiction that we're operating in. So all of these other countries that we're working in, they've all legalized medical cannabis at the federal level, uh, which is cool for this, which is okay in the eyes of the, of the stock exchange. Uh, do you see other companies with American operations and and other other uh, other things going on? They'll be listed on other exchanges that don't that maybe don't care as much about those things. Um, so I'd say that's that's one of the challenges. I mean, really, I'd say more generally speaking, publicly traded adds on another layer of um, of compliance and diligence to our business, uh, which I mean also comes with you know added added cost and human resources and so forth. But really. Um, the advantages to it for us, especially in the beginning, was it was a great marketing tool. You know, uh, when when we were Tweed and when Tweed went uh, public as the very first uh, legal marijuana producer to go into the stock market, that was possibly one of the biggest um, game changers in terms of the discourse around cannabis legalization and the cannabis industry. Um, even for myself as an activist. It changed. I, I noticed that the, the the conversation shifted from all the social justice aspects of why cannabis needs to be legalized to mainstreaming it, and you know, having regular everyday people who've never touched the plant or had any thought given to cannabis, all of a sudden they're talking about it as an investment, as something that they can add to their portfolio, as something that's really exciting and new, and that really changed the conversation around cannabis in Canada. I would argue more than almost all of the grassroots activism to to precede it, um, but it, it still is challenging, you know, being uh, a publicly traded entity. Uh, whether or not you're selling cannabis, um, it does come with all kinds of other uh, restrictions and and uh, things you got to keep in mind. But ultimately, it's been a it's been a great tool for us. Great. Also to raise money. Also to raise money. <laughs> <laughs> of course. We need to take another break, but when we come back, we are going to talk about uh, Adam's activism. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. 
Are you ready to be inspired and educated by the best of the best in the cannabis industry while enjoying sunny South Florida? Then you cannot miss out on the first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 24th through the 26th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. The USCC Expo welcomes all cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners to join us for this brand new event sponsored by the radio podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Be one of the first to register today at USCCExpo.com. That's USCCExpo.com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. We are Blunt Business Radio. I am Bethany Niebauer talking with Adam Greenblatt of Canopy Growth. So, Adam, I kind of I want to go back to what we spoke about earlier in the show about your activism, uh, because I think that's so uh, it, it's unfortunately rare. Um, we see a lot of business people and we see a lot of activists. Um, and unfortunately, I, I don't see that as often as I would like. So can you talk more about how um, how your activism helped you in your career or how it still helps you? For sure. I mean, uh, there are very few people in Canada or in the industry who can say that they've been working in cannabis for more than a decade, let alone 15 years. And I mean, the cannabis industry is moving at such a frenetic pace these days that I joke and say that every, you know, I joke and say that we should count these in dog years, you know, that it, that every year in, in the cannabis industry is like a, is like a dog year. Um, but I think it's, it's helped me a lot. I mean, my, my activism, career was really a cannabis immersion for me. I had the opportunity to work in dispensaries and to work on the front lines with patients cannabis. And over those years, I literally got to interact with and counsel thousands of people who were using cannabis as a medicine and to develop my expertise and to establish myself as an expert in the domain um, without, you know, without any, you know, formal training. It was all I was all it was all I was self-taught and you know I, I learned I gained that experience just by doing it uh, and taking the risk and you know putting my neck on the line to help people get access to cannabis and I think not only did it help me from uh, just from like you know gaining experience but it also really uh, got me used to you know the high stakes of the cannabis industry right I mean, there's really, right now, you know, we risk, there's certainly a lot of financial risk on the line now that it's legal, but, you know, when you're risking your liberty and you're risking arrest and you're risking all kinds of, uh, all kinds of those kinds of consequences, it, um, it's a whole other level of risk. So I learned quite a lot 
uh, as an activist, it really helped me. I would say also it helped me refine my, my messages and my ability to precisely and concisely communicate um, these, you know, the reasons why cannabis should be legalized. It really helped me hone my, my, my communication skills in that sense. Um, and yeah, it really, really got me prepared for everything that I'm doing today in the, in the legal marijuana industry. And I'd say like one of the interesting things that we're seeing not only in Canada, but in all of these jurisdictions where cannabis is becoming legal are these shotgun weddings between cannabis activists and business people, right? Because a lot of people, you know, this growers, the whole underground cannabis economy, there's a lot of passion and know-how there, but there still is often a lack of business acumen. There's certainly a lack of knowledge around regulatory affairs uh, and quality assurance procedures and that kind of thing. So you need that fusion of, of worlds for this to work. And so, you know, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this without the guys in the suits. You know, Tweed wouldn't be a public company. Canopy wouldn't be a public company without people with that kind of like financial and regulatory know-how. You know, it's it's all well and good to be able to grow really good dope in your basement, but you you know, it takes other skills to make a good business, and that's really what we're seeing. At best, that's what we're seeing in in Canada and around the world as cannabis gets legal. Absolutely. Uh, we see that in the U.S. as well. I, I, and I like the way you phrased it with shotgun weddings between business people and, and activists, because that, yeah. uh, that is how it how it feels. It's these people would not otherwise associate uh, if there wasn't this opportunity. Yeah. So, and I would say that and, and around the activism, too, like the cannabis industry. And it's one of, and one of the reasons people are so excited about it. And it's one of the reasons like even just newcomers are so excited about it is that the cannabis industry is one of the few intrinsically triple bottom line industries in the world where it's not just profitable from an economic financial sense, but it also takes into account the plan too. So, you know, the, the, we're not just talking about a single bottom line on a, on a balance sheet or on a, or on your, your financial disclosures. We're talking about a product. We're talking about a social movement that is going to benefit all humans. It's going to benefit our society. That's good for our planet. Uh, you know, it really ticks all of the boxes of what, you know, of all the good that capitalism can do. And that is really something that inspires me, me, um, you know, in my day to day. I absolutely agree. Uh, I think we're going to have to end it there. Uh, thank you for joining us for this edition of Blunt Business. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher or iHeartRadio. Thanks, everybody. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.